the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Why Trump got my vote. That is today's topic on The Grid. But first, a word from our sponsor. The law offices of Joshua Coleman were established in 2015 in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Licensed to practice law in both Texas and Florida, this firm will handle your criminal defense or personal injury case. Having worked in the prosecutor's office for four years, Josh knows how the prosecution thinks, works, and even assembles a case. That's why he's the right attorney for you. Have you been wrongly arrested or unlawfully arrested for exercising your constitutional rights? Or have you just made a mistake and need honest expert representation to help you navigate those legal options? Then the law offices of Joshua Kuhlman should be your first call. I know Josh personally. An avid hunter and outdoorsman, Josh loves this country that the Lord has blessed us with. He will represent you well today. Give him a call at 214-307-4179 for a free consultation. Again, that's 214-307-4179. Be sure to mention that you are a Kingdom Patriot. It seems whenever it's time to do news and review for the week, we have no shortage of material. On the world stage, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Many of you probably know more details about Putin's invasion than I do, but here's what I want to hone in on. I am proud of the courage of the Ukrainian government, people, and military. They have not cowed even the face of insurmountable odds. On a military strength index by global firepower, the United States ranks number one, Russia's number two, and Ukraine is number 22. Putin's military is assaulting Kiev on multiple fronts, yet even rank-and-file citizens are being handed small arms and are refusing to back down. Without intervention, Ukraine will fall and may have already fallen by the time this podcast is even published. In regards to the U.S. and the West and Western Europe and NATO, I have two things to say. First, this anonymous quote rings true. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And the second is actually found in Scripture, and this is what came to my mind, is James 1.27. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I'm not suggesting that Ukraine as a country is an orphan, but it truly feels to me that we've abandoned them just like an orphan. And we know that unfettered communism is a vice. It is a prison to those who would desire to worship freely. Ukraine, make no mistake, is in dire straits today. They are in distress. And because the world, because democratic governments have abandoned these people, we've treated them as despised orphans. And because those who stand up for the beacon of freedom have done nothing, it appears evil will triumph. It turns out in the face of two, over 200,000 troops and tanks and the Navy that hollow threats that we've issued do little to block the advance of a communist dictator. Who knew? I don't want to be dragged into an endless war, and we don't have the capacity of the world's police, but if we had shown strength from the outset, we could have stopped this war from ever starting. I'm truly ashamed at how we've abandoned these people. In other news, the Freedom Convoy. You haven't really heard it a lot. But it's estimated that there could be as many as 100,000 vehicles and people with the U.S. version of the Freedom Convoy that's supposed to descend in Washington, D.C. by March the 1st. It's interesting how so much news has been given to Ukraine with the, the war, 
and especially when it everything leading up to the war got almost nothing, and yet so little is devoted to the U.S. Freedom Convoy. Ottawa's big, but if 100,000 people show up for the U.S. Freedom Convoy, you have to understand how huge that is. It'll be 15 to 20 to 30 times larger than the convoy in Ottawa. I know D.C. is already preparing by putting up barricades and other things to make sure that the convoy can't any, get anywhere near the State of the Union speech. Lastly, we have news in the U.S. Supreme Court. Biden nominated Katanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court this week. Now, I don't know this nominee very well, other than what I've read, but in some circles, she has been known as a woke activist and appears to actively legislate from the bench. She is also well-known for progressive-leaning, so much so that even the left-leaning D.C. Court of Appeals has overturned her rulings many times. That says a lot. She's also being touted as Biden fulfilling his promise to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court, and many see this as a breakthrough for race and gender. Do people realize that our current Supreme Court is represented by men, women, blacks, whites, Latino? I love what Ted Cruz said. Instead of pre-picking someone because of their race and gender, how about we find the most qualified candidate and nominate them? But that, of course, flies in the face of the left. Are we going to give the same celebration to a female Jew on the Supreme Court? Oh, wait a second. Did you know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a Jew? And she was already a Supreme Court justice. But yet, did you ever hear her celebrated for her Jewish heritage? I did not. I heard her celebrated as a woman with significant progressive left leanings. Where this headed is obvious. Qualifications will be secondary to representing a particular agenda or gender identity, race, or worse. This is what gets me frustrated about these conversations. It's no longer about the best candidate. It's just about the one who checks the right social boxes. But I digress. I think when you're talking about that communism is thriving, freedom is being muted, and radicals are making it into high positions in the court, that's enough to make you sick in one week. But I'll end this review with this. Jesus is still on the throne, and God will not be mocked. Let's not forget that. All right, today is a special day, as this is the first time that the Kingdom Patriot Group has had a co-host of The Grid, fellow Kingdom Patriot Sean Griffin. Sean is one of my business partners, as well as a podcast producer, chief media officer, graphic designer, and an author. But the most important thing that you need to know, Sean passionately loves God and country. Sean, welcome to The Grid as today's co-host. Well, thank you, Chris. <laughs> Appreciate that. I'm really excited to be here. We are glad that you're here today, and I'm glad that the audience is finally getting to hear the voice behind what I would say the machine that makes the whole podcast system work. So really appreciate you being here today. Yeah, it was one of those things where today's podcast was not planned, but it popped up and it's like, hey, let's do this. And it's primary season. Absolutely. Well, speaking of primary, I know that you only get a little bit excited when we talk about politics. I get just a little bit excited when we talk about politics. But today, I think we're probably going to both get ramped up just a little bit. I'm going to ask you to hold your comments for a couple minutes while I explain myself and make my case of why I voted Trump. Do you think you're able to do that? I, I, I'll make a really good conservative effort. <laughs> Concerted or conservative effort? I love that. Yeah, let's enunciate. I did say conservative. No, I'll make a concerted effort to be quiet while you speak. <laughs> Sounds great. I, I just want to make sure I wasn't being baited there. All right. Well, I'm going to jump right in and then we'll see where this goes. So in my opinion, there's probably not a more polarizing political individual, a more polarizing man in the last decade than Donald Trump. 
And while it seems strange that we're talking about Trump today, because we're in the second year of the Biden presidency, I want to talk about why we are. The reason we're having this discussion really is twofold. Number one, Trump, he remains in the headlines all the time. As, as it appears, he's staying incredibly active politically, and he may run for president again. But number two, and maybe probably the more important reason, the far left continues to run on a platform, are, or the platform is, we are not Trump. And they keep saying that, and that if you're against Biden, or if you're against his policies, or you're, if you're against progressivism, then you are for Trump. You're a Trumper. You love Trump. If this demagoguery is going gonna, is gonna to remain front and center for the Democrats, the progressives, the liberals, then it seems prudent to explain why, and I suspect millions of others, voted for Trump. So it used to be that I actually would measure a candidate based on his individual qualifications. And I did this years ago while living in Arkansas, and a friend, somebody I went to church with, whom I trusted, said, I should vote for Senator Mark Pryor. He had gone to school with Mark, and he had said that he was a, he was a really good man. Even though he's a Democrat, we should vote for him. So I took that advice, and I did. But it did not take too long for me to regret that. Voting for the good man did not change the fact that he represented a party that touted a platform that supported gay rights, touted abortion as women's health care, believed the federal government was the solution to all problems, and that conservatives were the enemy. In fact, I found out it really didn't matter if he was a good man. For the most part, politicians vote with their party, and therefore their platform becomes more paramount than the individual themselves. There are very, very few Joe Manchins and Christian Cinemas of the world those who would abs actually buck their party for sake of principle. And even in this case, I don't know if Cinema and Mansion are really principle-based or if it's more about the fact that they're essentially blue dog Democrats who are embedded in deeply red states. So back to Trump. Voting for Trump actually was quite easy for me because of his opponent, Hillary Clinton. It's unlikely that you can find a more corrupt family than the Clintons. Death, destruction, thievery, money laundering, felonies, this kind of stuff follows them everywhere. Some of it is just infamous internet folklore, but some of it's very real. So how in the world could I vote for her? And I asked that because on a personal level, the decision was really easy. But even if I loved Hillary Clinton, I still would not have voted for her. Why? Because you're never voting for and electing just a candidate. You're voting for and electing a platform, a stage of ideas, principles, and philosophies. And I know many will disagree with me here, and I hate the mantra, you're a Trump lover, because you voted for Trump. But personally, let me tell you what I think about Trump. I think he's bombastic. I think he's arrogant, thin-skinned, childish at times, not often well-spoken, certainly entertaining. He might be corrupt, and for goodness sake, he's addicted to Twitter, which likely means he cares way too much what others are saying about him. He also appears to be looking for a fight. None of these characteristics are things that I would aspire to. However, despite all this, he does have good qualities as well. Like few presidents that I've ever seen in my lifetime, he gets things done. He is a doer through and through. The art of the deal, as he likes to say. But again, even that doesn't matter. None of this matters. His few good qualities, a plethora of flaws. Why? Because I didn't elect Donald Trump. I elected a platform. Again, I elected those ideas, those principles, those philosophies. Honestly, I'm not even sure he shares the same principles as the Republican Party. But when he ran on them, he followed them on the campaign trail and after an office. The platform is a platform of limited government reducing regulation, but more importantly, probably the most important principles of the platform, is that he supported the freedom to worship, even if it was counterculture to the radical agendas of the culture movement, and supported limiting abortion, which would save lives. The Republicans are equally flawed as Democrats. And when I say flawed, I'm not going to talk about their principles. I'm just saying all mankind, Democrats, Republicans, we're all a bunch of sinners who are in need of a savior. 
But when you look at the philosophies and the principles and the platforms of each party, really the biblical choice is clear. I never voted for Trump. I voted for the platform that he represented, regardless of his individual character flaws. Now, Sean, that was a mouthful, but in a nutshell, that's why I voted for him twice. Others say that I've totally gone off the rails and I'm dead wrong. What about you? Why did you vote for Trump? Well, <laughs> actually, I love that question and very seldom I ever get asked that question. Uh, first of all, the approach that you gave is wisdom. You know, you weighed all those different factors, and scripture tells us that it is imperative that we walk in wisdom, that we get wisdom, that we seek wisdom, and that's what you did. How I arrived at voting for Trump, I'll give you the minute and a half version. About halfway through Cruz's announcement speech, I was in total support of him. In fact, at the end of the speech, I didn't hear it in real time, but as soon as I finished watching the speech or listening to the speech, I went to do a little bit of research to find out where his office was to see if it's, you know, reasonably close for me to volunteer. And then, of course, I realized, well, okay, I, he's the first one to throw his hat into the ring. I do need to look at who else is going to be there and see if there's anybody that I would feel stronger about. And it turns out there was, I think, a field of 16, and I think I liked about half of them. And then I really felt like the other half should never have thrown their head into the ring, but that's a personal opinion. There was a field, like I said, about 16 of them. There was Carson, Christy, Cruz, Fiorina, Huckabee, Paul, Rubio. And then of course, Trump. At some point, Trump threw his hat into the ring and I wasn't really sure. I wasn't leaning toward him at all. I was like, you know, he's the wild card. It could make it interesting. But that was about it. What changed things was one day I heard a prophetic word given by some dude I'd never heard of named Jeremiah Johnson. And I heard this prophetic word and it changed everything. So I really want to hear about this prophetic word. Before we do that, there's some things I didn't hear. And I just want to clarify are you saying that you voted for Trump because he was a, a, a person of impeccable character? <laughs> no. And are, are you saying that you voted for Trump because you thought he was our savior? No. So that's interesting because the people who voted for the Trump, especially if you're an evangelical Christian, you often get labeled of ignoring, ignoring those values that we believe Christ has set before us for all the sake of getting Trump elected. And I find it interesting that we're having this discussion here, and we arrived to the exact same conclusion from very different avenues. As I did not have a revelation, I had not read a prophecy, but I was applying wisdom to select the more appropriate biblical worldview versus a secular worldview. And you, on the other hand, felt like you had direct revelation as you read a prophecy that directly ministered to you. I find that incredibly interesting that completely different perspectives arriving to the same conclusion. Yeah, it really is. So let me hit a couple of those really super fast. Savior, yes. There are a lot of Christians that accuse other Christians, naughty, naughty, of uh, ignoring his character, didn't do that, and also of treating him, acting like, or sounding like he's the Savior. Mm-mm. No, let's correct the language. The language is deliverer. 
I have rarely ever heard anybody in the past five years use the term deliverer, but that is what Trump is, was. A deliverer is not somebody who saves you for eternity. That's Jesus' job. A deliverer is someone like Moses. He is the most obvious one who's given an assignment. And in many cases, if you look throughout Old Testament, there are wicked men that are given an assignment by God, but they never realize they've been given this assignment because they don't walk with him. They don't know him. Yet scripture says this man is his servant, Nebuchadnezzar. God called him his servant. Well, Nebuchadnezzar didn't serve him, but he served a purpose. And Nebuchadnezzar was used of God, even though he had no idea who God was, and he had no idea that the assignment had been given to him. But squirrel, rabbit trail. So a deliverer comes in and takes a person or a group of people and leads them out of whatever the trouble or predicament they're in and leads them to a better place. That's what Moses did. Moses was not their savior, but he was the deliverer. And I do believe, and a lot of evangelical Christians believe this, that the Lord used Donald Trump to put a pause on the nation to give us time to wake up. I am not sure that we did, but he gave us time to wake up and recognize who he was. Okay, so the next thing is his character, his background. It's like, yeah. There's a lot of stuff about me that I'm not going to go public with, but the blood of Jesus goes public. We're supposed to forgive. And anybody who was paying attention saw the headlines that he made as he was growing up. But Trump reached a point right about the time that he married the current Mrs. Trump. There was a change and a commitment in his life. And he shifted into what some people would refer to as the sage years of his life. And he's reflected back on the stuff that he's done. I could go on for 30 minutes about that, but let's just suffice it to say he's looked back on his life and he's looked at the mistakes that he's made and he made some corrections. And I, when I look at what he's done, what he did in the past versus what he's doing currently, I find it funny, all of the actions and activities that the left gets so upset with him about he did while he was a Democrat. <laughs> you know, that is, <laughs> that is an interesting point. I had never thought of that, but that that's very true. I do think too, it's very difficult to judge what God is doing in someone's heart. Not even sure that that's our responsibility, but I really like what you said about being our deliverer. He was an instrument of God and God chooses his instruments in a way that doesn't fit into the mindset of man. So I'd like to take a minute and jump into this prophecy because there's several that we're go- that you're going to share. I want you to share the particular one from Jeremiah Johnson that you said had a profound impact on your life and how you viewed uh, the presidency and viewed this election. So I heard this and then I went and found it to read it. I think it's important for you to understand that I never heard of Jeremiah Johnson before I heard this prophecy, and I didn't know him from a hole in the wall. And according to New Testament scripture, it's important for believers to weigh prophetic words. I weighed these words, and I will tell you that right off the bat, my spirit bore witness that this was the word of the Lord. It stopped me in my tracks and is the reason I switched from supporting Ted Cruz to supporting Trump for as long as 
or in my case, I was thinking I, I will support him for as long as he is in the race, because this doesn't actually say he's going to be president. You know what I find interesting too, Sean, is you're about to read this prophecy. If I'm understanding correctly, this prophecy was in August of 2015, well before the primary had even been decided. Correct. Let me just dive in. Trump shall become my trumpet to the American people, for he possessed his qualities that are even hard to find in my people these days. Trump does not fear, nor will he allow deception and lies to go unnoticed. I am going to use him to expose darkness and perversion in America like never before. But you must understand that he is like a bull in a china closet. Many will want to throw him away because he will disturb their sense of peace and tranquility. But you must listen through the bantering to discover the truth that I will speak through him. I will use the wealth I have given him to expose and launch investigations searching for the truth. Just as I raised up Cyrus to fulfill my purposes and plans, so I have raised up Trump to fulfill my purposes and plans prior to the 2016 election. You must listen to the trumpet very closely, for he will sound the alarm and many will be blessed because of his compassion and mercy. Though many see the outward pride and arrogance, I have given him the tender heart of a father that wants to lend a helping hand to the poor and the needy, to the foreigner and the stranger. That stopped me in my tracks. So first of all, I just want to hit the last one. I've given him a tender heart of a father. Though many will see the outward pride and arrogance, I've given him the tender heart of a father. Think to his hosting President Xi of China. He has to step out. He sees pictures of children that have been gassed in Syria. And what does he do? He launches Tomahawk missiles to put the end to that nonsense. Then he comes back to serve the president chocolate cake. Not only did he do that, but they had a brief little discussion about that. And he even asked the president, what would you do? Anyway, his father's heart saw those pictures, said, not on my watch. I can do something about this. Sorry. I think I've seen that too. Um, you've heard various people that have actually met Trump, and they will tell you that that kind of that bombastic what you see on TV and through the media is not is not the Trump that is at the funeral of a fallen serviceman, that is hosting a grieving family, that is expressing Correct. his compassion and his hurt and his sympathy for families that have gone through tragedy. I've Correct. heard that many times that people who um, who've actually met him, that they actually speak to that. Yeah. Yeah, I have too. So starting at the beginning, Trump shall be my trumpet to the American people. Hello, Twitter. Think of it. What social platform most closely mirrors a trumpet? But Twitter, it's short. It's to the point. Da, 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 and it announces something. I know people are like, oh, he has so many mean tweets. Well, sometimes the tweets have to be mean when you're dealing with darkness. Darkness, folks, you got to understand, spiritual warfare, war is ugly. We have an enemy that wants us dead. I mean, it's just that simple. 
So his mean tweets are really just nothing. Okay. So the second thing is qualities, man, what an indictment on the church today. The second half of that sentence says, for he possesses qualities that are even hard to find in my people these days. Talk about convicting. We've got to look through the bombastic stuff, the rhetoric, the stuff that we don't think we like, and find out what are the qualities that God is talking about that we're missing. Leadership, I think, is the one, and fearless leadership. So next up, Trump does not fear, nor will he allow deception and lies to go unnoticed. I'm going to use him to expose darkness and perversion in America like never before. You must understand that he is like a bull in a china closet. Man, there are so many structures in D.C. that are built on wickedness. But here's the deal. Structures that are built by wickedness can't withstand the actions of righteousness. So wicked structures become as frail as China. And when he starts walking around, boom, 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 you know, it's an age old phrase, bull in a China closet, or the one I've always heard is bull in a China factory. The bull doesn't understand the value of it. So when he hits it, it knocks to the ground. You know, he's not going to go, oh, he just keeps on going. There are so many parallels that this particular sentence has with China and the fact that he was actually a lot of his, a lot of his international statements were about China and the fact that we had been ripped off and the trade imbalance and all kinds of stuff. There are so many parallels to China, the dinner plate and China, the country, just amazing. And there was another prophecy that I don't have here but also blew me away relating to this, that for him, things will be like water off a duck's back. There are so many things that are going to be lobbed against him, and it will be like water off a duck's back. But that's another prophecy. We'll move on. So the one thing that nailed my foot to the floor was this one part that had already come to pass. You got to understand This is a prophetic word about that which is to come, but this one element had already come to pass, and it's not something that we had seen in other candidates during this time or in previous elections, and that is many will want to throw him away because he will disturb their sense of peace and tranquility. Many will want to throw him away. That is a great description of dump Trump. There was a big movement among what are referred to as the rhinos and the people who are middle of the road Republicans. They wanted to dump Trump. Also, another movement which coincided with that was never Trump. And when I read this, many will want to throw him away. It's like, oh my gosh, that's already happening. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to get rid of him somehow legally and then draft Mitt Romney to come in as a replacement. So that settled it for me. That settled it. It was like, I knew he would be president. So moving on, I will use the wealth I've given him to launch investigations in searching for the truth. If there's one thing that you could say about Trump is that he was definitely in search of the truth. He knew he was there to drain the swamp. And part of draining the swamp is you've got to find out what the truth is. And then just as I raised up Cyrus to fulfill my purposes and plans, 
So I have raised up Trump to fulfill my purposes and plans prior to the 2016 election. Another prophecy that we'll have in the show notes from Lance Wallnow, the Lord showed him that Trump would be the 45th president. And in Isaiah 45, Trump isn't listed, but Cyrus is listed. Cyrus was mentioned in scripture more than a hundred years before he showed up on the planet and the Lord called him his servant and said he would be his servant, though he doesn't know me. And the parallels between Trump and Cyrus are just mind-boggling. We can simply look at the fact that Trump is a builder. He builds big things. Big projects are his speciality. He also likes to get them done on time, ahead of time, or on budget, or ahead of budget. That's pretty good. Anyway, moving on. You must listen to the trumpet very closely, for he will sound an alarm, and many will be blessed because of his compassion and his mercy. There's a lot of compassion and mercy in this man, but he does not go public with it. The reason that he doesn't go public with it is because there are too many people that would see that as a soft spot or weakness. Yeah. And he does not want, he definitely does not want to come across as being weak. And then lastly, well, as we already talked about, the outward pride and arrogance, I have given him a heart, a tender heart. Addressing the outward pride and arrogance, there's another prophecy that says that Kim Clement gave that is not in this list either that we're going to put in the show notes. We talked about how the Lord was going to trick people and you know basically pull a switcheroo by getting him into office. Sometimes the Lord can use things like someone's outward pride and arrogance to fool people into making the right choice because he uses it like camouflage. There is not one person who doesn't know Jesus that would look at Donald Trump and thought that he was the evangelical preacher of the year going for the presidency. No one would have thought that this guy had a Christian agenda. None. They had no idea that God had a godly agenda established for this man to carry out. That's for sure. And you know, as you as you ran through this, Sean, on the, the prophecy, the one that really stuck out to me was that you must listen through the bantering to discover the truth that I will speak through him. Again, uh, this doesn't speak anything to his character. What it, but what I hear there is that so often we judge the truth based on the person. If we like what we hear and the way it's delivered, then we're much more likely to believe it. But what I'm hearing here is that the Lord is, is saying, look, you need to look through all of that. Just because you may not like the method or the person in which truth comes, it doesn't mean that it's not truth. And that's the one that just hit me as you were, as you were sharing this. Right. Yeah. And think of it, there are a lot of Republicans or people who are independent that might vote Republican. And then, you know, Democrats that, you know, they suddenly don't like what's going on in their party. So they go for the other one. And none of them would have pegged him, like I said, for having an evangelical agenda because he doesn't basically carry himself off that way. I know that for me, I find him very entertaining to listen to. Part of it, it's refreshing that he's just telling you the truth as he sees it. You know, he's just calling it what it is. So that part is so, to me, is so refreshing because he's not trying to smooth over everything that we're going to hear with every line. It's not that polished stuff. You can always tell the difference 
between him reading from the script and speaking off the cuff. And I mean, no, no offense to him, but he almost sounds like he's falling asleep when he goes to read the stuff off the teleprompter. And then he comes to life when he goes off the cuff. <laughs> yeah. When he, when he goes off script, there's no doubt that he can be quite entertaining. Well, I've got several more questions I want to ask you. That is why we're going to have to wait to next week to ask those questions because we've just unfortunately run out of time today. Thanks again for our sponsor, the Law Offices of Joshua Kuhlman. Don't forget to give him a call at 214-307-4179 for a free consultation. Again, that's 214-307-4179. Also, don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Oh, 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 oh